Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The One Up Project. We've got Dre here with us today, and um, he's got a variety of things to speak to us about, and I think it's going to be super interesting, Um, and this is another online episode, so really cool that we can do this remotely from home as well. So welcome, Dre. How are you? I am great. I'm down in the beautiful Mount (laughs) Wanganui during this lockdown time, sitting, sitting inside, but making sure I've got a little bit of sun shining through the window. How are you going today, Sarah? Mm. How's the lockdown treating you? Yeah, well, it's good. I I haven't got as good of a view as you do, probably, but um, uh, the sun is shining, so I'm still very positive and feeling good about the day. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's nice. I wish I was down in the mountain, that's for sure, especially just being across the street from the beach would be very nice. Uh, it's, it is. It's very lucky. I'm kind of treating this as a four-week holiday, which is, yeah. which has been quite nice. Very, very lucky. Hey, thank you for having me on the show as well. I'm very, very appreciative and I'm excited to see what's been going on, have a bit of a chat about what my life's been up to over the past few years. Yeah, no worries at all. I'm excited to have you on and I'm glad that you um, yeah, you wanted to come on because that's really cool and I'm sure you'll have a lot of value to share for all of the uh, young ones listening to the episode today. So how about you tell us about what your day-to-day looks like at the moment and, and I guess it's a bit different from what it would have looked like six months ago, but what you sort of do... Yeah, I guess that's probably, yeah, it's definitely, I think everyone's day-to-day has changed a bit right now. So normally now I would be about to head overseas for between, I normally head off for about six to nine months each year. So to give a rough overview of kind of what I'm doing right now is during the year, I come back to New Zealand every year for summer. I own a couple of businesses and I use those summer months and the seasonality to trade with my businesses, I try and make my year income there and then I'll normally take off for those six to nine months and just go travel. So like for instance, last year we did, a group of us did the Mongol rally. We drove from London to Mongolia and we went to like countries like wow. Iran, um, to Turkmenistan, Russia, Mongolia, China. Yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's been a good couple of years enjoyed it a lot. Um, I really want to hear about how your summer businesses um, are able to fund and help out with going away and traveling. So do you work over the time that you travel as well? Or is that more of a like just holiday travel period for you? Uh, it's it's more a holiday travel period. Like the, the aim is what I try to do is make my year's income in those summer months. So what how it kind of happened was it's probably – I'll try explain it just a brief elevated pitch of my life or what I saw and what I didn't see. But um, the big thing for me was I grew up in the mountain, Tauranga. I've always been keen on trying to make money and hustle a little bit. I've had a paper route when I was about 12, 13 years old, did the supermarket job, did all of that. And I went to university in Christchurch, went to Canterbury University, did a business degree knew I wanted to get into business but one of my majors was marketing so what I did was had the great idea of thinking that I'd love the old nine to five I moved to Auckland after a little bit of travel and got involved with a advertising agency called Ogilvy and Mathers um it was not for me <laughs> it's pretty much mm. pretty much <laughs> the, the biggest thing I could say I think I lasted three or four months at that company before I decided to leave and yeah. then I kind of worked out the door. I'd done a little bit of travel beforehand, but I just sort of set a goal for myself that by the time I turned 30, I wanted to visit 100 countries. That wasn't wow. because I wanted to visit 100 countries. It was because I wanted to make my life based around travel and have the ability to spend most of my time traveling. Um, after that, I realized 100 was very ambitious, so I dropped it down to 50, goal, uh, 50 countries. I'm 27 now. And I got my 50 countries last year. So I'm sitting around 60 now. So it's been, I mean, it's for me, it wasn't the number that I wanted to achieve. It was more, if I had a goal of how many countries I wanted to visit, it meant that I had to make my lifestyle fit into that situation. Yeah. So that meant, well, how do I travel? I need an income to travel, right? I need some sort of money. And a lot of people that spend a lot of time traveling will go work, say, do workaways or work at a hostel for free and 
spend a lot of time in Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, all those countries where their standard of living, that wage is a lot lower than what you could earn if you if you were lucky enough to have come from a Western country or a country that actually has a good, good income. So that wasn't a pathway I wanted to take. My pathway was I needed to do something that meant that I could travel without having to fund the travel as I was going. So business was always kind of a goal, like a dream of mine. And I got really, really lucky that one of our fam- one of our friends from university, his family was in the fruit game and the cherry game. And they kind of gave me a job where it wasn't really a job. It was running my own business. And wow. I just got to build and hire as many staff to work for me and ran it as it was a commission-based scheme instead of me being on just an income. And that kind of taught me the value of business. I like to call it my MBA. So it was doing those, you've probably seen them, but doing those cherry stands on the side of the road and yeah. selling the cherries around Christmas time at the markets. And that kind of um, introduced me to the beauty of seasonality. Seasonality right. is a very powerful tool for sales because there's so much demand for such a short time that the work you're putting into it, if it's not huge startup costs, you can earn a really good income going to the markets, doing all these events and stuff like that, I sort of saw how good that was. And that led me to the next business. So once I had the first business done and dusted and could figure it out, had my systems in place, had my staff operating really well, would actually build a bit of a business model out of it. I knew I had a bit more capacity available in my day. So then I'd start working on the next thing and I'd use the money from that first business to get the second one going. And that's how I got both my ice cream trucks running. You just start to figure it out, I think. Like what I've kind of seen from business personally is you become the jack of all trades. I don't know if, if you've kind of heard that one within business, but in small business, you're never specializing in anything. You're always doing a little bit of one thing or a little bit of the next thing or a little bit of the next thing. So it gets you more confident to jump to the next part. So when I'd hired staff and I'd sorted out payroll and all these other various areas that I didn't think I could have done myself personally, then you get the confidence to make the next step on the ladder and it just starts to build and build, if that's kind of making sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would just keep building it and I'd keep building it and I'd keep saying, okay, there's an opportunity here. The other really powerful thing with business is that when you're in a business, you have the ability to double your income by doubling your selling days, for instance. Whereas if you've got a job, it's really hard to actually double your income within a job. Like you might Mm. be the best widget, you might work for a company that makes the widgets right and then you create another revenue stream for this widget company. You might take it online and then boost sales by X amount. But realistically, if it had been your business, you would have seen that growth for you personally in your income. But because you're employed by someone else, it's very hard to see that you get remunerated for what you're doing. So the powerful thing about business is that the more, like, for instance, the the more income streams you can find, the better it is or the more powerful it can be for what you want to achieve. And I would see that, hey, look, there's an opportunity in weddings with my ice cream trucks because I spent a bit of time on the design and made them actually look like they could be presentable at different places. Then people would just hire them for the weddings. And then I saw the next opportunity could be, say, for instance, doing markets on a Thursday evening then I saw the next opportunity and the next location and it's just about trying to figure out how I can keep increasing and growing the revenue of the business whilst trying to keep my cost down so you're sort of just learning as you're going along yeah I mean I think that's the biggest thing nobody knows exactly what to do and the cool thing about Mm. the cool thing I've found about small business especially in an area like Mount Maunui is um, everybody's on the same journey everybody's going to have the same battles everybody's going to have the same problems you're not different to the next person doing it. Mm. So being able to talk to people who are in the same journey, you actually start to realize, hey, everybody's got the same problems and everybody's figuring it out the same way. Yeah, and did you find that being down in the mount, you, that, that community were, provided you with sort of a resource to use as well and people to go to if you were needing help with something? Yeah, oh, you've just you've honestly hit that one on the head there. That's That's been a big thing is is I think I've been very lucky to have started it up in this area, or not necessarily just because it's in Mount Maunganui, more because it's in a community-driven area. People, Mm. when you ask for help, people will help you out. 
I yeah. think everybody has such a fear about that, that they overthink it. They'll run the scenario through the head. They'll be like, okay, well, this person's just going to think I'm stupid. Like in reality, they want to help you. They've been through the same journey. They know what the problems are and they know how daunting it can be. It's such a deterrent to a lot of people is that, well, they don't think they're intelligent enough is a big thing. Or they don't think, they think the person who is doing it is a lot smarter than they are. And like, man, if I can do it, anybody can do it. That's like the mentality Mm. that I think more needs to be pushed into it. Yeah, for sure. Do you think it's a bit of just like, you know, a bit of confidence and just going for it rather than having it all planned out? Yeah. Yeah, the biggest the biggest leap I think is leaving leaving the job, leaving your yeah. for cure income and making the jump into something. I, I honestly think that is the biggest leap any any entrepreneur, anybody who's looking to start their own business will ever take. It's such a daunting mm. position to be in, or to even think about because there's so many what ifs. What if I can't make rent? What if I can't do this? What if this happens? What if that happens? Then really, it's like, well, my I saw what I hated and I saw what I didn't want out of my life. And that was the bigger fear for me was mm, that. Yeah. And even in the worst days in business for me personally, I could have gone somewhere and got a job within advertising that was perfect fitted for me and suited. I might still be in there now, but because I yeah. was lucky enough to really despise my client, to despise my boss, to despise what I was doing, mm the biggest fear for me was what if I'm still doing this in 20 years Yeah, and it's just Mm. finding your, what makes you want to jump. Yeah. I think that's definitely a different mindset. Like a lot of people would think like you were saying before, you know, what if um, it doesn't work out and I lose my secure income, whereas you were driven by what if I'm still stuck in this advertising agency working nine to five for the rest of my life. And that was enough to give you that confidence. To jump. Oh, exactly. And it is. It is so much of business is confidence and backing yourself. And it's never like the one thing I've tried to really do when I'm back in New Zealand is surround myself or at least get in front of and meet the people I admire in business and talk to the people that have done well in their field. It might not be the field that I'm interested in, but that's irrelevant. The fact that they've got to the point where they've built something up when you actually talk to them and you hear their stories, they're, they're no different to you and I. They're yeah. just driven by something that wants to get them there. It doesn't matter what the drive is. There's something that's just pushing them to get to that point, and you've just got to find your own little push. And mine was, hey, I don't want to go back to a nine-to-five. But, for instance, if that what a fear of you, say, wanting to lose your income is – it might be a bit hard to do it right now, but when the economy is a bit more certain, say for instance, talking to your boss and seeing if you could take a you know a twenty percent rent reduction, uh, salary reduction, but then work less hours, so mm. get it to a position where hey, you know what you need, you know what you need to survive. How can I free up some more of my time to then start pushing it? Because yeah. that's the other thing, right? Working at And realistically, for people our age, nine to five isn't a thing anymore. It's more like an eight to eight. Totally. Like if you're working in a corporate organization, you're expected to do more to climb. So I can see how it can be very hard for people if they're working Monday to Friday, taking up, you know, five seventh of their time. Then by the time it gets to the weekend, you're normally too tired to actually start what you want to start. So it's just trying to figure out how you can break that little mold that you're in. Like when I'm going out and I'm, trying to earn my year's salary. I'm not trying to go out there and earn a hundred thousand dollars. I'm trying to earn what I know is rel is is like good for me to survive for my time traveling. And it's knowing what that financial figure is and what my goal is. Because then I'm ready, I've got the money. It's does is that making sense? Like in, in that kind of sense that the fear can be put around if you've got that nine to five and you've got your good salary you don't want to lose that level of income that you've had. And that can be mm. another deterrent for a lot of people. No, that 100% makes sense. And when you speak about business mentors before, do you have like people that you consider your mentors? Yes. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I um, actively mm. try find people that, that have a very similar mindset or that I can have sit down, have a coffee with and talk to about how they felt when they were at my stage in the business game. 
and I, I don't know necessarily how you find these people. I think it's more just reaching out and if you spot them or, or like just trying to book them in for the coffee or if you see that there's like one of my biggest mentors, for instance, owns three dairy farms in a cafe. And then he's mm. also got a strawberry business on the side. And I don't want to be a dairy farmer. I don't want to farm strawberries. Oh, but and he's also built up rental properties. He's got a portfolio of, I think he had about 35 when I last talked to him. And that mm. isn't necessarily what I want to do. He's taken a path that I want to follow very closely. Yeah. So then booking these people in, making sure you're talking to them once a month, if possible, once every two months, whenever you can just sit down for a half an hour coffee because that will add value to your days or to your life and to your goals so much. The other kind of area as well that I think, well, obviously you've probably talked about it, but I think we are so lucky to live in the age of podcasting. I agree. I think podcasting is one of the coolest, coolest things. Like you can be doing a monotonous task like mowing the lawns or driving to work or going for a run and then you've got all the information right there. That is exactly what I love about podcasts and that's exactly what I want this to be, kind of like a resource or a library of things that people can refer back to and you don't need to pay attention to it with your eyes like you would a video, you just need to listen to it. So it's so easy to multitask and I guess you would like that since you're into time efficiency. It really does help out in that way. Oh, it's it's amazing. It's such a valuable way to learn. I I just don't, Mm. you can't compare it like, I love reading and I think reading is a very powerful tool, but to actually sit down and read, that is taking your attention away from what you're trying to do elsewise. And if you know that you have to cook three meals a day, right, it's going to take on average between 15 to 45 minutes. You know, you're going to lose a certain amount of time each day on cooking. Then if you have to do this, if you have to go for a run, if you have to do that, it's such a cool way. But then audiobooks are the same in that sense. Mm. But the idea I like about yeah. podcasting is like, I, for instance, I was listening to one of your ones about KiwiSaver the other day, and I have no idea. I'm 27 years old, and I have no idea about KiwiSaver. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is stupid. I need to learn about KiwiSaver now. And just while I'm making breakfast, I can chuck it on, listen to it, and perfect. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it's those things like that, like KiwiSaver, that you know you don't know that much about and you you would never go out on your own and research it um, and take that out of your own time. But, you know, flick on a quick podcast and there you go, you've added that little bit of value to your day. Yes. So what other ones do you listen to, Sarah? Um, I listen to a whole lot. And, you know, I listen to a lot that aren't the same genre as the, like, the one I'm making. So a lot of entertainment ones I like as well. And I listen to some business ones for product and service businesses, which I don't have and don't have anything to do with, but I find them extremely interesting. And then, for example, with Ace the Gram, if those girls are talking about how um, a product-based business could enhance their engagement while all of this COVID-19 stuff is going on, I try and adapt that to how I could do that for a podcast platform. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Mm. I listen to a lot of Ace the Gram as well, and it's the same. Like It might not directly affect you personally, but it's just interesting having this information that you might not have been able to get so easily, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I'm not a major Instagram fan or I use it a bit for my business, but it's not my direct way of working, but it's still good information and, and good to hear things like, for instance, I listened to one with Jay Reeves the other day, the guy who did Pals, him and a group yeah. of people. And and just hearing stories like that, I mean, that's a form of mentoring in a strange way. Yeah, no, definitely. I think one of the best things about it as well is that you can kind of hear the input of people um, who you never would have listened to prior to that. Um, And it's so easy and quick to see if that is something that would be of value to you because you just need to listen to it. And if you're doing something else at the same time, it takes nothing away from you. Yeah. No, that's so, so true. It's an incredible way. Like it's just made... Mm. it's made time efficiency so good have you um have you got any mentors yourself um yeah I'd say that I do and I think that I'm starting to realize the value in having them and using the people around you and leveraging off what they know but prior to that I don't think I realized how important that 
actually is. That's crazy, eh? That one word leverage, like leveraging what people know. It's it's so good, it's so amazing how willing people are to share and pass on information and help you avoid yeah. mistakes that you might not have seen coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was actually shocked like starting this podcast and trying to get value from all sorts of different places, how many people were actually willing to share their story and what they have to say. I thought not as many people would be interested, but I am like very surprised and glad that so many people are willing to share that value. It gives you faith in humanity, eh? <laughs> it definitely yeah, does. Totally. It's such a cool when you realize how keen people are to help you out, it just it's such a phenomenal experience. And then it means that you want mm. to pass it back on. Like mm, it's, it's such exactly a good right. way to be able to help. And I'm like, I mean, I have a couple of small businesses in Mount Monganui. I'm definitely not. I have a very low level of business. But even talking to young people here that are coming through and kind of wanting to change their pathway or their trajectory, it's just so nice being able to give them that little bit of confidence or even that little bit of yeah. boost because the main thing is if, if the biggest struggle is so many people think that you're born an entrepreneur or you're born to build business or you're born. I, I really don't think that's the case. I think if you've got mm. something that is either the fire behind your backside or the rainbow at the end of your eyes, if you've got that motivation there or that Thing that is just pushing you it can change anyone to to get to a pathway of where they want to go and the biggest thing I kind of find about running your own business is there's there's obviously there's going to be negatives there's stress blah 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 but at the end of the spectrum it's like um you've got the biggest freedom which is time you're not yeah. accountable to anyone but yourself and a lot of people will look at business or entrepreneurs or they've talked to people and they'll be like well how much money are you making how much da, da, da. and it's like well look money's only a tool it's only a part of the business what your actual secret that you're getting is that you have the ability to live your life on your terms like even in the middle of summer when I'm trying to run three businesses at once and I'm working seven days a week I've still mm. can sneak off and go for a surf or I can still go do what I want to do because I've got that ability to manage my time. And that in itself yeah. is such a powerful tool. Would you consider that's your definition of success as being able to have that time to free up your day and then you can shape your life as to how you want it to be? Yeah, I, 110%. The funny thing is, is that I started to notice that when I jumped into my own business, I would organize meetings at cafes and and then I just happened to bump into someone I found was very successful or they'd be at the same cafe or or then I'd see someone else that had started their own business. And it just started to see like a pattern just emerged in front of my eyes. And the more that I'd talk to these people that mentored me, the more I'd see the same question coming up is like, what is the most powerful tool or what is the biggest takeaway you get from business? And it's the freedom of time. Obviously, the income is a good thing and it is easier to build a strong income or I'd say it's easier to get to a higher income having your own business because you control your revenue streams the other really powerful thing is that people don't account for is that you control your time yeah and if that means I don't need to be somewhere at 8 30 in the morning or 8 that means I choose not to do my travel when the roads are really busy at 8 30 in the morning then I choose mm. to meet someone you know at 10 o'clock and then you can just fix your day around how you want to get it done and you can achieve quite a bit more than you think you would. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I also want to talk to you about the Mongol Valley, uh, Rally Race and how that came about. Oh, yes. That, okay, cool. This is this is a real interesting thing. Like, I don't think if, if you can't, obviously I don't think it's going to happen this year because it starts in June normally and, and covid uh, well, yeah, I've probably eliminated sure. it this year. But if anyone is listening and is wanting to go on a bit of an adventure, I would highly, highly recommend this trip. It is like nothing else. You just, it is, it is madness. It is such a crazy adventure. Yeah. And there are so many cool New Zealanders. I think in the year that we did it, we had about a hundred New Zealanders out of seven hundred people from wow. around the world. So it is a very New, awesome. New Zealand-dominated race. Um, yeah. So the Mongol Rally. 
what it is real quickly is you buy a calf for 500 pounds, about a thousand New Zealand dollars. It has to have under a thousand cc engines. So like the old Honda Civics, um, Toyota Yaris's, I think they are just, just old, like Chevrolet Matisse's cars that are not very big or powerful. When you drive them from, it officially starts in Prague in the Czech Republic and you finish on in Russia, but it's directly above uh, the capital of Mongolia. So it's above Ulaanbaatar, which is on the far, far eastern side. You're about a day and a half, two-day drive, I think, away from that ocean on that side. So what you're doing is you're driving a third of the world. And um, wow. it's been pushed as a fundraising event. So what you do is you choose a charity and you're trying to fundraise. And our goal was to raise $50,000 for a charity in Auckland. And this charity is one was is one that's very very close to our hearts. It's um, yeah. Voices of Hope, so it's run by these two incredible women, Jazz and Jen, and they have both had their own struggles with mental health. So as a group of mm. six boys, we decided we're going to take two cars and we're going to aim for fifty thousand dollars, and we're going to fundraise for the girls and try give them a bit of a helping support. We didn't end up hitting oh. the fifty thousand goal. We Ended around forty thousand. I can't remember the exact figure off the top of my head, but um, no, it was, it was such an amazing experience. Honestly, we got super lucky with the the project as our media sponsor, and we had John and Ben as our radio media sponsor. Oh wow! So we that's so cool. Yeah, it was it was something where we just the money was a cool thing to raise, but the exposure for the girls as well, and going mm. through the journey with them and trying to help them because they are a really well-known organization in New Zealand and around the world already but just trying to do our part to push something up that was bigger than us was so cool definitely and I love Voices of Hope the charity I think they're so cool and and how did you get involved with them did you already know Jen and Jazz prior to this I, I just reached out to them on social media I think yeah no I did I just sent them an email and then Jen got back to me and I just explained what we're doing and said, look, we're looking to do this. We're looking to do that. And um, she got in contact and that, she loved the idea. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's just about reaching out. If they'd said no, then totally. whatever, it's no, who cares? It's a two-letter word. Like Then we just talked to the next charity. But they were yeah. our first choice. They were we'd, we'd started to look a lot more into what they were doing. We'd seen them on TV and we'd seen a few things that they'd done. But um, yeah, just reached out and then we talked to their – they have a board with three people on – on it as well that manage and make sure everything's aligned with what the charity is aiming to do and the board really liked the idea right. and and yeah and they had some powerful connections already so it's just we kind of came became interdependent of each other but just within yeah. that the thing that kind of blew me away the most was I mean fifty thousand dollars is is a different sum of money to each person that you talk to one person might have grown up mm in a better situation and 50,000 might not appear to be a big figure for them. Whereas you talk to someone who has grown up in a lot harder situation and that might be a phenomenal goal. So really it's dependent on the eye of the beholder, but what, what it was that kind of stood out to us was the amazing other people that reached out and the community that formed yeah. around it. Like for instance, we had um, these two girls, Ash G and Lauren who live in the Taronga as well. They have a non-for-profit, uh, no, uh, non non-for-profit um, <laughs> events group and their group's called Initiate and she just reached out to me the same way I reached out to Jen said we love what you're doing we want to host our winter ball with all profits going to you guys and they fundraised ten thousand dollars for us and that was wow. through like um, they got a golf round with Trent Bolt they got all these different oh, cool. charity ideas or amazing people involved and that was to help us, to help Voices of Hope, because they had a strong connection to what the cause was. So just seeing stuff like that, I, I, in my normal day life, mm. you wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had those experiences. But then reaching out and seeing how generous people were yeah. was just mind-blowing. It's, it's something, if, if, you, if people have the ability to travel with the means of having their own income, because, like, for instance, out of that, 40,000 that goes to the girls we part of that was allocated to help if our cars broke down but we personally pay the entry fee the flights the food the you pay for everything yourself it, it ends up costing around ten thousand dollars each to do this rally 
but being able to raise something for other people on the on the process and on the way gives it so much more of a purpose and for me personally like i don't know the other boys we we were very lucky to have a incredible videographer do the rally with us a guy called sugi siong wuhong oh cool yeah we were very gifted and lucky to have him on board and he filmed this whole thing but talking to him about it the other day was that like we're kind of like look half of the fun is the rally the other half is trying to create and give back to something that is bigger than us and if even one person yeah. takes yeah if even one person like heeds that advice and decides it doesn't have to be the Mongol rally it could be whatever it could be they do a lawn bowls day and fundraise for charity close to their home I think that adds a lot of value and it makes it a lot easier if you're starting to jump into business or you're already in mm-hmm. business because you see that it's an organization. It's the same sort of thing. Like it's very similar fundraising for a charity and creating a trip as it is to running an ice cream business, as it is to probably mm-hmm. owning a bakery, as it is to starting a hair salon, as it is to, you know what I mean? Like it all kind of the pattern starts to emerge. That's awesome. That's so such a cool story and really cool. Did you, so you had it all videoed as well and, um, by the videographer. Yeah, so he's actually making a documentary out of it. So the the page oh, is wow. still live. We we were New Zealand's fourth best lawn bowls team. It's we're called the Aotearoa Bowls Club. <laughs> and the Instagram's still live. So if cool. you go check out the Aotearoa Bowls Club, yeah, you'll see a little bit of content on there. We got we filmed and got a lot of pics along the way, but the big thing is gonna be the documentary at the end, and that's probably about two months away from being released. That'll be a really cool thing to look back on as well and just contribute to that whole idea of giving something to more than yourself. Oh, it's amazing. It's the best way of journaling, right? We have someone videoing the whole thing. That's so cool. That sounds like something I'd really want to do. That's really oh, cool. Honestly, I would 110% like recommend it. It's like nothing else. Like the big, The big kind of takeaway that I got from it is you can't really judge someone until you've walked in their shoes, right? And you see... All this, Mm. the the crazy thing was, there was all this news around Iran at the start of the year, right? And America and Iran and how, what was going on there. And all these people are commenting on what it's about in Iran. And I'm just sitting there thinking, what, like, how can these people be saying it? It's, have you been to Iran? And, And they'd be like, no, no, but I've heard this, this, this. And then you go to Iran and it is just, it is one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to in my life. The people are so, so incredible. They will give you the shit off your back. Like we'd be driving along on the motorway and cars are pulling up next to us at a hundred Ks and they're just winding down the window yelling, welcome to Iran and trying to pass us a bag of fruit just because we're tourists or visitors in their country. Like people would stop on the street and they would ask us to come stay with their family for the night. Like we had one situation where we had been invited to stay with the family for the night and we'd accepted to go along and join and, and they're incredible incredibly hospitable people and then another family came up to us 10 minutes later ask us to stay and we explained look we're already staying somewhere else they were that upset that it just like they're there oh, no. yeah you, you're like turning down people to stay at their places and they're in tears it's, it's a phenomenal place but then you get you get all these you hear all the media and you hear all the noise about what's happening in Iran and da 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 and and it's just like like this isn't the case. You got to go there and you got to see it with your own eyes. I think that's also why it's really important to travel because you then get that world view that you otherwise wouldn't have. And like you say, exactly, you're commenting on something that you don't know about, but is so widely publicized by the media that you think you have the right idea it's so easy to watch something in the news or to pick up an article and like we've all done it and be like oh you just form your own opinion or or view or whatever and you just have the stereotype of what the situation is and it's just not the case it's it's incredible yeah i mean travel is such a good educator because it opens your mind and i think that's a very powerful tool in business as well I think being able to open your mind from traveling relates back into business. It maybe takes fear out of a situation for when you're trying to start something new. It might help with how you view a problem or how you solve a problem. It has so many educational points that you add into your like 
mindset of how you live day to day that like for instance I'll be if something's going wrong or there's a big problem when I'm very stressed I've got a lot going on I if I can say to myself look this isn't as bad as the time we broke down in Kazakhstan for two days and had no parts. And you know what I mean? It's like you could always yeah, yeah, totally. go back to a situation. Yeah, it is. Perspective, eh? It's, it's such a powerful thing. Knowing yeah. that, being able to sit back and be like, well, this isn't actually a bad situation or this isn't actually a problem. I think that's something that mm. a lot of people gain from when they travel and when they do more extreme forms of travel like the Mongol Rally. And because that is so cool and something you were able to do through owning those businesses, what would you say to other young people who like would love to be able to do that as well? Like, If they were aiming to do that, what would you say that they should be doing? Oh, it's cliche, but just do it. Honestly, it's, it's old Phil Goff's Nike one, but just do it. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. such a the, – yeah. the jump is honestly the hardest part. There's a good analogy. I can't remember it exact as it is but from um i don't know if you've read the the book barefoot investor i haven't but i've heard so much about that i would i'd highly recommend that book it is a great read it is no matter where you are in kind of your own financial point of life whether you are you've invested quite a bit or wherever you're sitting it's a great read but he how he describes it is that it's like the tightrope you're an acrobat working walking on the tightrope and how can you ease the fall? How can you make it better? If you just quit your job straight away and you've got a car payment to make, you've got credit card debt, but you've got all these other things, the fall is going to be a lot harder. So instead of quitting your job, how do you get to that point where you can still afford to pay off your debt and actually live and get to that point? And I mean, that's just thinking outside of the box. Like talk to your employer, obviously not right now while there's a lot of uncertainty, but talk to your employer and ask, hey, is there a way that I can lower my salary and just do four days? What can I do to get to that next point? Who are the people I can go talk to? If you want to get into a cafe, for instance, or you want to build your first cafe, well, then maybe go to an area where you're not from and talk to the cafe owners and just say, hey, look, I really want to start a cafe. I'm not trying to start it in your area, but is there any advice Mm. you can give me? Is there any way you could help? Because you'd be amazed. People are just so, so willing to help. And if the yeah. the what-ifs create the cloud of doubt around you, it's just going to be there your whole life. Mm. So the big thing is podcast, read, and talk to people. And the other yeah. big one, I don't know, you've probably talked about it on your show, but I think How I Built This is my favorite, well, second favorite podcast, of course, after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. But How I Built This, like I, I love to listen to it because – a lot of the stories you're like, well, hang on, if these guys can do this, why can't I? Mm. Like none of them, some of them have Harvard MBAs, have Stanford MBAs, whatever, but a lot of them are just regular people that just start. They just keep going and going and going. Like Ben and Jerry's, for instance. Ben, I think, dropped out of five different universities. That's a phenomenal story. In fact, he went to five different universities and dropped out. Like it's just, looking for those those little bits of motivation that can get the fire behind you or the rainbow in front of you yeah I agree I think that's a really good like piece of advice and do you think when you were growing up or when you were deciding what you were wanting to do in your career that you would expect that you'd be at this point now is this what you sort of always felt that you'd be doing I didn't think I'd be here now I I didn't think I'd be running my I thought I'd have a job still I knew at one stage I'd want to get into business I knew that was an end goal for me at some stage what business I was going to get into I didn't know but I don't think it was for the right reasons that I wanted to get into business right and then and then sort of the reality kicks in of why you actually wanted to get into business like it's not you know what I mean it's not like you look at it and and like some of the people who own small businesses are the hardest people I that work that I know they will work yeah. just nonstop, and maybe the remuneration in terms of money isn't what they want. But for me personally, this is not what I thought I'd be doing at 27 years old. Uh, I'm like, mm. I'm, I think I'm very lucky to be in this position, and I don't think, like for instance, it's a lot harder if you're a nurse, if you're a, if you're a specialist in that area, it is harder to try to formulate your life to fit like that. 
because mm. it is it is a different pathway. But if you're doing something for the sake of doing a job, if you're not enjoying being there and you're doing it just to pay the bills, like then what's the mm. point? What's the point of doing something just to pay the bills? Like you've only got one shot at it. You know what I mean? Like it's just like you literally as as cliche as it is. I totally agree. You've only got X amount of hours left on this earth. So you've got to make the most of it. And I think when you're saying about getting into business for the right reasons and the people who you've seen that own businesses are the hardest working, they're what I notice is there always is that passion or that fuel behind them. It's always different from person to person, but they've always got that, I don't know, just that drive and that energy and it comes from somewhere and it pushes them to do those, those things that change their life. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it is, it's crazy. And when you see that passion, you just, it's, it's phenomenal. Like the people that you meet mm. and, and you're saying like, it doesn't matter what their passion is. They could be the number one widget maker or whatever. It, who cares? It's not like, like for instance, Hannah from Real Radford, like we we're talking about earlier before we actually started. She's another one that I love to see because you can tell that she is so passionate about what she does. Like for me, I'm not a big baker. Yeah. I don't really care about baking, but I've still got appreciation for what she does and seeing how hard she works and how passionate. It's the same with anyone that you see within small business. Yeah, and I think like with um, Hannah, for example. Um, cause I follow her real red food Instagram quite closely and you can just see the passion coming through on that and see that she's a hard worker and see that all of her emotion is fully put into her business. And that makes you want to be a part of it and that community and that real red food, you know, group so much more because you feel you can see that passion. She's, oh, Hey, she's got skin in the game. The kind of, the kind of way I look at it is the good thing with business is that you don't work to the hour. You work to the job. You finish the day mm. when the job's done, yeah. but you have that power to manage it. And like when what I found when I was at my job was a lot of the time, which was really bad, and I don't know if this was coming into this job as grad or whatever, but a lot of the time I would just be looking at the clock. And it was the same when I mm. worked at, at Pack, when I did my supermarket run at Pack and Save. Like, you know, you're always watching the clock and you'd be like, well, hey, it's only – X amount of time it's only three o'clock now it's the other way when you're in business it's it's honestly the other way you're you're so much like instead of saying oh no it's only three o'clock you're like damn it's only three o'clock like I yeah. you know what I mean it's such a different yeah. mindset but it's for me personally I like it a lot more I think that would be a lot better and there's nothing worse than looking at the clock waiting for time to pass by um, when you know that you could be doing something a lot more valuable with your time. Oh yeah, that hey, that is so true. That is so mm. that is so so true. It's time is money. Time is everything. Yeah. What would you have to say to people who they they like watch the clock go by and they wish that they were doing something else, but they don't know what that other thing is. What would you say to those people? Because I feel like it can be hard when, yeah, you want to do all these different things and you don't enjoy your current job, but then you're sort of stuck as to where to go from there. Would you have any advice for those kind of people? Yeah, I, it's funny you say that. Like, I, I talked to my old man about this, and he's he's in this, he's in retirement age now. He's sixty six, and he still says he still doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. Yeah, I think like the big thing there is that. Just start with something because you're, you're never going to 100% know. Like everybody's looking for this million-dollar idea. Like there's that really good Simpsons episode that I remember from when I was maybe like 11 or 12, and it's home is asleep, and he's having a dream, and he's in some corporate situation, and on the whiteboard in front of him or the projector is the business idea, but he can't see it because everybody else keeps blocking him and is in the way and he's just yeah. panicking, trying to figure it out. Whoever is probably old school Simpsons will know the episode I'm talking about, <laughs> but it's just yeah. such a, when I was 11 or 12 years old, it stuck in my memory, but I didn't get it. And now I, as a 27 year old, I get it. I get that reference. Mm. Everybody is so caught up on the idea and the idea is nothing. Just, just start with something and you'll be amazed at how much that'll change. Because if you're expecting it yeah. to be a straight line, it's not going to be a straight line. Like you might find that whatever idea you start with is that, hey, you don't want to 
self, whatever, but you do like this other part of it. And then you start to get into that stage of it. And then you get into the next part. And then you get into the next part. It's more if you're sitting on your hands waiting for this million dollar idea. That's not, I don't think that's the way. I honestly think if there's something that you are, you enjoy and you like and you want to spend more time doing, do it. Because if it means you've still got your income coming in from your job, and well, enough of an income that you can survive, then the other time you can use to start doing what you actually want to do. And there's so many cases of that and how I built this where where they might, like Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream, for instance. That's a brilliant episode to listen to. It's the same kind of idea. She liked making ice cream, so she just started building that up and building that up. And whatever that idea is that you like, even 80%, you don't have to love the thing 100% because there's going to be stuff that you don't like about what you're doing. Just get into it and start doing it because it doesn't, it's your biggest waste of time is sitting on your hands and not doing anything. If you jump and you start doing something and you make iPhone cases and it doesn't end up being the number one thing that you like and after a year you're like, screw this, I'm packing it in, I don't want to do this anymore. That year of experience and knowledge you've gained from making iPhone cases is so powerful that the next thing you go into, you're not starting at at point zero again or ground zero. You're you're already on the third floor or the fourth floor. You're not, you know what I mean? It's not the knowledge and the information and the experiences there. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Like that's sort of what I'm thinking around this whole podcast thing is I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it my best crack for, you know, a year. And if at that year, year's end, I'm like hating it and dreading every moment of uploading another episode, then I'll stop. But if that's the case, I know that I've gained so much experience, whether it be designing what my Instagram feed's going to look like, being able to edit episodes, finding out how to upload them. Like there's already so much value I've learned already and it's been like three months. So a year of that is going to be extremely helpful towards whatever I do. That, oh man, I'm glad you said that about failure as well. That's such a good yeah. viewpoint of looking at it because failure is such a good thing. It is yeah. such a powerful tool and it's so unfortunate that in New Zealand, you know, you're not encouraged to fail. It's a very like, yeah. I can't measure how much value you've got out of doing a year of podcasting because your next thing might be your next area of expertise that you want to go into is that you might start a YouTube show or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. I can't measure that. But because I've seen that at the end of the year, you're finished doing it. A lot of people will be like, oh, well, so-and-so gave up or whatever but I just don't think that's the mindset there's such a bad Mm -hmm. culture in New Zealand of not supporting and not and not encouraging and not pushing people who are willing to give it a go yeah it leads into something I did another episode on was about um strengths and I did an episode with a strengths coach Suze and she spoke about how Um, in New Zealand we focus a lot on weaknesses and building those up but sometimes it's also just very beneficial to work on your strengths and just going for it and having the confidence to actually work on those things you're good at Um, and I think you know that comes into the same for taking the leap and just doing something even if you might fail because if it's something you enjoy and something you're into there's no harm in just giving it a bit of time and a bit of your focus for a bit and seeing where that takes you as well oh for sure it's it is it's that's so so important, eh? And it's like we need people like Susan yourself really pushing there, and because there's so many people that are willing to cut down an idea, or you know, and I don't even know if a lot of people do it without realizing. I'm sure a lot mm. of New Zealanders, like if you actually called someone out for saying for for what for a negative view on someone trying to do something, they wouldn't even realize that they've put it in that context. But it's just such like I had the same experience when I left advertising all of my friends that had these corporate nine to fives and were in a position of what they were doing told me I'd say probably 90% of them said don't leave stay with what you're doing it'll get better it'll get better stick it out and then there there were the select few that had jumped and they're like look if you just aren't liking what you're doing jump go give it a go do something else and that advice was just worth its weight in gold like I'm so grateful yeah. that I listened to the people that said just just give it a go and just jump. Like and I say when I say just jump, it just literally means 
you, it is a scary thing to do. It is like you're jumping off the side of something. It is a very, it's a very, it's like you're jumping off the blowhole into the water at the mount, for instance. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It can be so daunting because there's so many fears that are running through people's mind, and you need you need the people that are gonna be saying, "Do it. I got your back. I've got faith." Because what's the worst that happened? We, most people listening will have very supportive parents or friends or whatever that you can go crash on a couch if it hits rock bottom. Because what's going to get you up at night? In, in 30 years' time or 40 years' time, are you going to be the one sitting there that is saying, I wish I'd given it a go? Or are you going to be the one saying that, I'm so happy I gave this a go and look how my life turned out? Uh, exactly. And especially most of the people listening will be you know, young in our 20s and at the end of the day, you have time to recover if all things were to go wrong, like drastically. And I think you can just go for it and take the risks. Like th- th- these are the times where you should have the confidence to take those risks. hundred percent. Like we are so lucky right now. Eh? It is, <laughs> there's so much opportunity. There is, we live in this, this situation we're in right now will it could be a bit of a hindrance, but it's all about the mindset, right? It's only going to be a hindrance for a little bit. There's still opportunity. We live in one of the most prosperous times in human history. We've got access to food, to, to affordable food, to very affordable medical care. Everyone, like I mean, people complain about rent prices, but it's still, it's affordable. You know, there's ways you can room share if that's really the problem. There's so many different ways. If you know what you want to do, go give it a go. The biggest fear I think in everyone's mind should be the regrets they'll have later in life because you've got to live with yourself at the end of the day. That is too true. And on that note, I think we'll finish it there because that is a really good piece of advice. And I'm so happy that we got to go into depth about that because I couldn't agree with what you were saying more. And it's nice to hear someone who's, in my view, um, where I am, who's made it and can say that. It's nice and it's reassuring. Oh, hey, thank you so much for having me on here. I, I did really, really enjoy it. And I'm excited to hear, hear the rest of the Mount crowd, see what they can throw in there. Awesome. <laughs> hey, thank you, Sarah. No. Appreciate your time. No worries at all. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project. And I'll catch you on the next one.